I am Anuli Akinabu, and you are listening to the Black in Real Life podcast. You're golden, you're so golden. What you got, you're the golden child. I see forever between you and me, forever between us. As a recovering marketing industry professional, I've heard the phrase, going viral more times than I would like to recount. I've fielded many requests from clients who were eager for my team and I to create social media campaigns that would go viral. But here's the thing about viral marketing. It's a farce. Whoever promises you that they can make a campaign that will automatically go viral is a false prophet. Unless the prophet in question has a lot of celebrity connections because yes, the participation of a celebrity, multiple celebrities, if you have the budget, does help content spread quickly. I've got to be honest with you. Viral moments are often situations of chance and surprise. It's hard to predict what kind of content will resonate with a population of people enough to rapidly spread. Sometimes marketing is like throwing spaghetti at a wall. You never know what is going to stick. But the idea of going viral on the internet is fascinating nonetheless. What does it mean to go viral and how does it feel when it happens? Today's guest, Sophiette Ibrahim, is here to share what it's like from her own personal experience of going viral five times in a span of three months. Sophia Ibrahim is a Washington, D.C. area-based communications professional in the international affairs industry, as well as a social media influencer with over 450,000 followers across multiple platforms, including YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Online, Sophia, who typically goes by her nickname Sophie, is known as the oddity, spelled with two Ts. If you follow Sophie online, over one of the hundreds of thousands of people that have seen any of her viral videos, then you know of her vibrant personality. She is the literal embodiment of positive vibes only, and she has a master's degree in peace building to prove it. Remember, at the end of each interview, I will come back to share a few key takeaways that stood out to me from our conversation. These takeaways will be supplemented with research from both academic and non-academic sources to add further context to subjects that were brought up in the interview portion. For every episode, I will include citations to the reference materials I mentioned, as well as some additional background reading for you on the Black in Real Life website. Visit www.blkirl.com to nerd out. Okay, now without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Sophie, also known as the oddity. Let me hear you say you're a bad bitch with your black bits and no. I actually first learned about you this summer, the way a lot of people learned about you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I came across the video of a, the one of you advocating for people to stop following society ideals about what a normal body is supposed to look like. And I know mm. you made that in support of Jackie Aina, who is another content yeah. creator and entrepreneur. And it was like after she had a video of herself in a bikini and people started poking at her like what are those dark bits and what is this and like this coloration oh, of bikini yeah. line yep. even though it's like yep. normal yeah so yep. you came up with the video and you were you just had to shut that down so can you tell me more about like why did you decide to release that video like what were you feeling at the time that you wanted to say yeah i think for me it was actually interesting because i had posted a bikini video before jackie posted hers 
and it was this white bikini and I was doing a swimsuit haul for a brand that will not be named because they are not one of the best right now <laughs> but I, will, I did this a YouTube video and I remember sending the video to my friends and I was like oh my god can I post it she's like oh no uh, why don't you put foundation on your sides because they're dark and she didn't mean this in a negative way this was more so like conditioned right she was just like oh you do the things are too dark people are going to talk about it put some foundation i didn't know people it. did that oh people do that that's really if you're going to post a video online you're going to put foundation or some like bronzer or something on your thighs wow. and on your parts before you post a video apparently this was a thing and so i was sitting there like and i sent it to another uh, girlfriend too she said the same thing I think like four or five of my friends and they all said yeah like it's dark like that's what most people would do if you want to be comfortable putting it out and I remember sitting there going I don't want to do that that seems like a lot of work and what if he's gonna stay literally I was coming from a place of it's gonna stain my white bikini it's gonna do this I don't want to do that so I was like I'm the, like I say love yourself regardless and I know it's not to care about it but the fact that they kept saying that made me feel insecure like oh shouldn't it be black I thought everybody was black like what's going on am I different <laughs> and so I remember posting out this video and it didn't do as well as my other videos at first and I got a couple of screenshots from weird people of course like oh I was loving her until I saw the size and they'll take screenshots of my inner size and post wow. them on Twitter saying that and I remember going oh my friend was right Oh, they were right. I should have put the foundation on. And so I just forgot about that situation. So, and Jackie Aina is someone we all look up to. Like, she's the quintessential Black woman who's gorgeous. She's, she's in her bag. She's making, you know, she's making names for herself. And to me, Jackie, does no, she does no wrong in terms of, like, beauty and everything. And so when, when she put that video up, I was like, oh, my God, Jackie has this, too. And she didn't put any foundation on. And for her to then show a video talking about it, I was like, this is something that everybody goes through, even me. Like, and at that point, I think I was at like maybe 20, 30,000 followers then. And I was like, I just want to do this for people who are not as big as Jackie, who are just regular girls like me and say like, honey, if Jackie is having complaints, Lil means having complaints, we all have this thing. Mm-hmm. Why are we shy about it? And I think after I did that, the support and Black women just reflecting and, and been like, people of color in general just reflecting and saying oh my god we too face this we too have you know this coloration here i forget and tasting here i'm like it's normal like we need to just you know embrace it it was it was interesting it was nerve-wracking posting that but i think now i'm generally a lot more comfortable in walking around with my black bins mm-hmm. like what everybody has it <laughs> what you gonna say about it yeah Last I checked, that video had almost half a million views on Instagram alone. Yeah. Like, did you imagine it was going to blow Crazy. up like that? No, I did not. <laughs> I did not. Because I think for me, I thought it was going to blow up more on Twitter because I've been having a couple of viral videos on Twitter. And I was just like, oh, it's going to be one of the other ones. But on Instagram, not necessarily. But uh, the reception from Black women was insane uh and i think this was something that a lot of us because we're not allowed to talk about these things you know we don't talk about things that make us insecure because we run away from them we think they're normal and so i i I think i was touching a part of women that they were shy away from they would be scared about and to see someone just willy-nilly go (laughs) ma'am what (laughs) was very empowering and i think that's why it went as uh it went as viral as it did and i'm excited i'm grateful for that to pour some, pour some light into people. So you are on Instagram, you're on Twitter, but you're also on YouTube. And on YouTube, yes. you have a video. You talk mm-hmm. about having gone viral five times in three months. 
<laughs> like yeah. that's a that's that's insane. insane but b i i want to hear from you when you say you've gone viral what does that word viral mean to you how do you measure yeah. and define that i think virality to me is when more faces see your face without knowing your story multiple times and what that looks like is people who've never met you before who know nothing about your platform see you and they relate to whatever it is you're doing or you, they find you funny entertaining and they continue to repost you and then you share until before you know it you doubling your following or you doubling engagement or you you're seeking an audience that more often would have been a hundred people but now it's 20 million people and what and that can be so nerve-wracking especially on the internet because uh virality comes with a lot of issues it comes with a lot of uh, stressors of course but at the same time like it's a unique opportunity to like create a name for yourself and you know touch as many hearts as you hopefully want to touch so yeah virality for me is just it's a unique experience where uh, where someone um oftentimes sort of reaches uh, a group of people that they will never maybe they will never ever reach they would never come to their corner of the internet because they just, they just weren't in their forte, you know, because it is vast. So for you to be able to reach different corners of different different types of people, I think it's, it's important. Like, I think when I went viral the first time, I had a lot of people from South Africa, a lot of people from South Africa and a lot of people from France for some reason. It was so Oh, you don't know why? I don't know why, okay. but my video, and then people would like retweet and then all dimensions would be in French. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? Because they, I think maybe someone probably in French media had taken my video and then put some French subtitles on her and then it went viral there. And so like, mm. I would have never met, like linked to the French audience because it's just my, my English, everything is just not with that audience. But when you go viral, you're going, you're going to different nooks and crannies of the internet to sort of reach different people. When was the first time you went viral? I'm curious as to how long you were creating content before you first went viral and then what that first experience oh, was like. Three years. Oh, three years. So people make it seem like it's an <laughs> overnight, like she just like came out of nowhere. Girl, She's been doing work no. for three years. I've been doing work. I, I remember that because I think uh, I was talking to a friend and she was just saying how like, she'd heard folks saying like, oh, they don't understand how the Odyssey just blew up. Like, I was like, blew, just blew up. Yo, I've been in this game since 2017. <laughs> I was a college blogger. And I was a vlogger for a year. That didn't work out. Then I started doing modeling. Then I did this. <laughs> I did so many things for three years. And this, I just clocked 10,000 followers in March. And wow. I was ecstatic. I was like, I can swipe up now. I'm excited. This is engaging. This is amazing. I was 2,000 followers on Twitter. <laughs> I was non-existent on TikTok. And Instagram was just my main platform of 10,000 odd people, my odd family. And I remember posting this video on Twitter. I just sent it to one of my friends, the same friend I think I sent everything to. <laughs> and I sent it to one of my friends and she was like, oh, that's ridiculous, post it on Twitter. People will laugh about it because I was trying on this outfit. I was like, oh, okay. Because I always, when I try on clothes, I send it to my friends. And I posted the video and I think in two hours, I, I had like 200,000 views. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> When this is what goes viral, mm -hmm. I had no makeup on. I was not <laughs> ready. My my bio wasn't even ready for y'all. Nothing was ready. Y'all, if I had known, I would have I would have prepared. I should have like some things in place. So y'all, and I was I just sat there and I just kept watching the numbers go higher. My follower count on Twitter went from two thousand to about eighty k in in a week. It was less than a week, like two three days. 
And I just remember sitting there in awe of people like loving me and supporting me and just continue to share my videos and they wanted more videos. And I was like, oh my God. And then from Instagram, I doubled from 10K to 20K and then 30K in just that same week. And I just remember going, oh, wow. So what do I do now? <laughs> What's next? Right. Do, I, do I keep posting? Am I supposed to just continue what I was doing? And I think it was, it was an interesting experience for sure. And I, I, I genuinely... I think being able to being the fact that I've been doing this for so long allowed me to be a little bit more prepared to know and to continue to also stay in myself and say, although this great things are happening for me, this is still the message I want to pass, and this is still the way I'm going to pass my message, regardless of the amount of eyes still coming in looking at me. Yeah, you've hinted at this the interesting part. I want to dig more into like how did going viral impact your life, even let's say offline. Right. It's actually funny enough, not besides being recognized, which is crazy, being recognized when you go out uh, at several different places. Uh, overall, it's been really, really good. Uh, offline, it's, I feel like I'm still the same person. I'm still mm-hmm. Sophie, you know. Uh, when I go to brunch, my waiter recognizes me and then might give me the free drinks. Okay. <laughs> or I'm walking on the street and someone be like, oh my God, are you the oddity? I'm like, yeah, I am. Hi. <laughs> But so it's, I've been more, a lot more recognizable and it's been a lot more favorable in that aspect. And but besides that, nothing has really changed. Uh, and I think people expect that. I think they expect that you're either swimming in money or now you're, you're famous and you have this and that. I'm like, no, no, not really. So your <laughs> so family, your same. friends is yeah. the same? Yeah, family, friends, still the same. Uh, I think I'm also, I've worked really hard to get to where I am now. And mm-hmm. I think, I think I'd mentioned this before too my confidence to even be able to post that video on Twitter shows how I've grown in my person now, right? So I would have never posted a video on Twitter two years ago, a year ago, a couple of months ago, last year even, right? I would have been too shy. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't open to allowing people into my energy. I wasn't sure I was able to protect that energy because I'd gone through a lot that made me struggle with the energy I had. And so... I just allowed myself to breathe and say, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> it's okay to let people in and it's okay to just share this with the world. You're not going to always have your favorites. Like people are going to hate you sometimes. They're not going to enjoy what you do. But at the end of the day, like it's still you and you just need to remember that. And so nothing has really changed. Family and friends are still really more supportive than ever. It's been good. There's a part in your video about going viral where you said that now is your time to exist and you're mm-hmm. speaking a bit about it, but like, I want to learn more about that journey too. Cause it, yeah. it takes, it does take a lot of confidence to post a picture of yourself online or in any type of clothes, you know, like anything. Yeah. So like, how did you even decide I want to start posting pictures of myself online and then how do you deal with the commentary that comes from that? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know if you can deal with it, uh, honestly. I don't know if you can uh, you can manage it, right? I think what it is is being able to take care of yourself. And when I see, I tell people this all the time, like, y'all, this is this is Sophie, and this is my box, and nobody comes into the box. Nobody <laughs> steps in. Whatever attacks you have, whatever negativity you're bringing, it bounces off the box. Some things might damage the box. And that's why I'm going to take two weeks after three months to recharge, clean up my box, and then bring the box right back to the front and let it get hit again, let it get, you know, let it get 
you know, swallowed all, whatever, and then I'm going to recharge again. I think that's something I do for myself. So when I first went viral and I started people that get to know me, I went from 10,000 odd family members to 100,000. Now I'm at 140-something across almost all my platforms. And now I'm reaching about over 400 to 500 people, 500,000 people. And a lot of those people might not be cheering on, cheering on for you. A lot of people might just be, you know, wanting to see you fail. And I think one thing I'd learned growing up, and I think being Nigerian, you grow a lot of, you got thick skin really quickly growing up. But one thing I learned for myself is I am the only person capable of keeping myself happy, period. I'm the only, you're the only person capable of making sure you were happy no one else no validation from the internet no validation from your family my mom can come in and say be happy now and I still can't be happy unless I am happy and so how I maintain that happiness is ensuring that I am the best version of myself possible I'm working on me constantly and I, when I say that I tell people I'm like the, my journey on the internet isn't to serve other people right it's to work on myself and share that with you so everything I post is a, is a story it's a journey if I if I have this collaboration with a fashion designer that I pick the outfit and I wear the outfit my caption will relate to my experiences wearing the outfit how I feel right now I'm doing today because in many ways I'm honestly just always sharing my story in hopes that somebody might be inspired by it I think that's my way of continuing growing like I took a two-week break from the internet the other uh, this past week like not posting anything not stressing myself because I just generally I do that <laughs> a lot of times my OGs would know I, I, this is my way of doing self-care is if I post a content back-to-back for about three months, I take a break for like two weeks, maybe a week, and I don't post anything. I recharge, I keep, I, I tell them I keep, I've already kept a store of the love you give me and of the cold, positive comments, and I just use that to build my box back mm-hmm. together, just to make sure I'm stable, I'm good again, to put out more content, to share myself with the world. And I think that's been one way to sort of help myself and help my mental health. Have the pandemics, whether it's COVID-19 or even the racial uprising, have they impacted the way you feel about content production and this desire to want to take more breaks? Uh, yes and no. I think, I'm, I, just, I don't know if I get flack for this, I don't know, uh, but this is how I feel about it, right? I think a lot of ways, uh, there's this thing, this quote about uh your existence in itself is a resistance, right? Being black, your existence is, is the resistance to the world and the things that are happening. And I think a lot of people in this time feel really down. COVID-19 has hit a lot of people. My brother is a doctor. He does the front lines of the COVID-19 war in Nigeria. I know firsthand what that looks like, scared for your loved one and hoping they you know they don't fall sick. They're you know taking all the proper precautions. My mom is over 60. She's in that age where she might fall sick too. What does that look like if she's not getting proper health care? I have friends and family, right? I mean, I have people who are not taking this seriously, I have people who are taking this too seriously or too much of seriously. So it's a lot going on, right? But I think I, like I said, I maintain my space. I keep myself educated, but I also know like I need to exist constantly. I can't stop because once you stop, you allow yourself break down. You allow yourself give up. You allow yourself think twice about your power and your strength. But once you continue, you address the things that are happening, but you continue to show that you're capable of so much more. I think that helps you. And I think I'm also, I put the responsibility on myself that I am able to help other people laugh during this really, really tough time. And if I can do that for someone else and still have my energy and peace intact, I would love to. I'm there. I'm open field. And with uh, the racial injustice that's been happening, I'm right there deep in the center of the DC is <laughs> right there out my window. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough. It's been hard to exist in spaces where you feel like you don't belong. 
and for, for a long time I've, I've, I've felt that way but I always say like my existence is resistance and I remember uh when <clears throat> I remember when I was thinking the Black Lives Matter movement and uh, folks folks were posting on TikTok and they were like oh don't post anymore on Instagram don't post your selfies don't post this this is not the moment and I remember sitting there going no dang it no post that shit <laughs> sorry if I didn't mean to curse but post it exist Show them that you are not going to be let down by the things that are happening because they, and we all know who they are, they are still posting, they are still getting that money, they are still in that system, work, making the system work for them, and you are still, you are still being pushed down even within your resistance. But if you're existing in that space and you're fighting back while making sure you're protecting your peace, that and that's what, be, what works best for you, and that's what worked best for me. So I remember during that period, I would post a lot about Black Lives Matter, but I also post a lot about what I was doing and the ways I was helping and the ways I was also taking care of myself to show people that you can exist in pain and you can exist in pain to fight for other people while also maintaining your peace. Because the, the oppressor is still doing just that; they're mm-hmm. still existing and they're still living. Up. They don't they don't feel a sweat. <laughs> a lot of times, I w- I was in here, you know, tweeting and donating, and I would see people walking around acting like they had no care in the world. I had friends who did not even know what was going on because they were not educated, and they were white friends, so people, other people of color too, just did not care about the situation. And I remember feeling so down, like I don't want to post because I'm sad. But here you are, where you should be, you should be posting, you should be a good ally. But you're there, living your life, getting your back, doing all that stuff. Why can't I exist? to whilst they're resisting. And I think that's oftentimes my message to people is exist that your existence is your resistance and you deal with these these situations and scenarios the best way you know how to. And for me that was still posting, still fighting, while also maintaining a left smile on my face. <laughs> how do you deal with the you and you've talked about this before, but how do you deal with the performative nature of being an online personality? Because there is like the idea like everybody should post, but then how do you manage to the type of desire to post that can be performative to look like you care, but you don't actually care for some of those um, people who want to be allies or just even yourself, like this pressure to right. maybe maintain some type of persona online. Right. I think that's the thing though, for, I've never been performative and I don't think uh, a lot of people I know are, but a lot of times with performative social media, it's folks who are not in it for the right reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then you can, and I, I oftentimes can't, speak to that because I don't understand it nor do I respect that idea of social media Uh, I don't sort of buy into it I don't give into it but I think for me when when you choose to share yourself online in many ways it oftentimes comes with us performative right because you're you're choosing before I post anything I'm clicking through and I'm reading through what I'm posting so in Mm -hmm. many ways I know what I'm delivering right so in that way I'm sort of sharing myself it with a story or with a caption and so on but as long as you're doing that authentically, it's the intention behind it. And oftentimes I just hope that people are oftentimes intentional about being uh, being better people when they post online. And I can't speak to someone who's performing because I don't know their intention when they post it. If I do see it, I'm like, mm, you know, you never talk about that. So why are you going through that now? Mm-hmm. I might feel some way about it, but I would address it, you know, reach out at friends or influencers, friends who are, you know, who are in this space with me that we've had these tough conversations about what do we do in these spaces? How do we help them? And I think we don't, we can't pass judgment on folks. We don't know how they're sort of choosing to exist in these spaces. I think as long as we can show that we're supported and people, we just hope people are having the best of intentions and that's all we sort of do, honestly. Social media is a vast, it's a vast, it's a vast thing that we all, we oftentimes iron in people's heads to understand what they're doing. Yeah. The, the, 
version of yourself that you post online, do you feel like that's your full self? Do you like reveal everything about yourself or are there parts that you kind of curate? I've, funny enough that you mentioned that. So I had a brand deal with a, a brand the other day and I remember like they asking me to curate a concept and the content is sent to them. I was like, oh, I won't do that. I'm just going to post because I enjoy your brand. And they were like, well, we, we also, we want something that at least we can, you know, read over to review to see if you do that. I was like, okay, sure. So I knew I was moving in. I knew I was honestly going to be sharing with my friends. I was like, oh, I might, I would use this brand because I would have used it anyway to share. And I incorporated that into the brand. I was like, oh my God it's not curated but we enjoyed it because that's still you and like I feel like I've struggled with that with uh with being a social media influencer because I'm not curated at all if anyone knows me I am the opposite of curated uh I would be one minute I'm sitting in my room and the next minute I'm on I'm up doing a video and posting it like oh my god I just I want to do that and I'm going back to bed or I'm doing this in terms of I'm, I genuinely only share stuff on social media when I want to uh, I, of course, I, you know, I had filters, I, you know, I edit if I want to make sure things are clean, which is, of course, I like pr- things pretty, like everyone does. But in many ways, uh, I, I, I forget most of the question, but I, I think with curate, with curation, especially for me, I don't, I, that's not how I am. I think that also okay. speaks to my name, the Odyssey, because I choose to be unique and I choose to sort of show the world who I am authentically. And when it's, when you're curated, it sort of takes, I feel like it takes in many ways the authenticity out of it. When I say curated, I mean, you're literally not who you say you are. But I'm not talking about when you, you, you like an aesthetic, because I think that's different. Like if I like to wear pretty dresses, only yellows on my social media, I'm curated, but also that's what I enjoy doing, right? But I, I think in many ways it's making sure you're intentional about what you're sharing and sharing that the way you would do, like doing it best. And for me, that's random. <laughs> I, I tell people this, I post maybe once or twice a week and they're like, oh, you could post more, you know, do this, find this out. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to do that. That seems like a lot of work. And I just, this is fun for me. This right. is, it's, I never wanted to be a job. I, I think the, the, to preserve my energy, I want this to always make me happy. And the moment it's not making me happy, I don't think I want to do it anymore. Are you a full-time content creator? Oh God, no, no. no. Okay. <laughs> no, I am not. I am currently actually job searching uh in the international development field yeah oh wow so have you like how do you deal with like the balancing like this work you do online versus like the work you do offline and even just like maybe potential co-workers do they like have you had any instances when people like oh she's popular online yeah i've had that a lot i'm actually i'm when you're job searching while doing so well on social media you get a lot of questions and interviews like aren't you that girl (laughs) and i'm like yeah (laughs) <laughs> that means I'm great at social media management. I'm also a great communications manager. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> if any of these jobs are available because clearly I'm doing so well. But it's, it's, I think it's been good. I think the fact that I have such good energy and my platform is about my persona has helped me sort of hone in on that. But it's something I'm still learning to balance because I didn't think I was going to blow up this quick. So I was mm. hoping I would have some time to plan, <laughs> to plan this. But the fact that I blew up this big and I'm job searching has allowed me to sort of see the intersection with how do you, how does this work in, because I just finished my master's in peace building. How does this work with my passions for girls education? Well, I just finished the research paper on gender equality and international development and what that looks like for programmatic guidance. 
our interstitial marriage. Oh, we, know, we love to and see now, it. Yeah. We love to see it. And now I, I might be working with Neutrogena on an ad campaign that is fighting for gender equality and uh, gender-based violence uh, prevention in certain regions in Africa, right? And that's literally the two things I want to do, right? I want to use my personality to push for good work. And I'm not only doing that just as a content creator, I'm doing that as an educated content creator, mm. someone who actually has done the research. So if you're coming to me like, oh, we love this campaign, I'm talking about, oh, can I see what's, what's behind the campaign? Can I talk to the program designers? Can I talk to people who are working on it? Can I see what the research has been? Can I do this? And they're looking like, girl, we just wanted a photo. I'm like, oh, I know you want a photo, but I also want to educate <laughs> you to make sure you're, you're doing the work behind the scenes too. So I think that's what, that's what I enjoy doing. And I hope that's what I can use my platform for. I, I think for many ways, that's what I want my platform to be is I think, I think of Tracy Ellis Ross when I think about this, right? And she does incredible work with charities and foundations. And she's such an educated, brilliant woman. She's also really goofy and she has fun on her social media and she's excited to live. I think that's something I want to do. I want to, I want to share my passions in my research focus and so on with the world while also being goofy and excited and fun because why can't I do both? Why can't you do both? Right. <laughs> and this reminds me of something you were saying earlier about like this box that you create for yourself, like boundaries. Yeah. And it makes me think about how people really only see you through a box, like a screen. Mm-hmm. And are there maybe misconceptions that people have about you just based off of like what they feel about you from the screen? Like, have you had to deal with people thinking about you one way, but you know who you are and it's not that way? Yes and no. I would say this in terms of like of like morality. Uh, I think because people people can see in different lenses, like morality, spiritually, uh, how you are, you conduct yourself professionally. There's so many ways you can view a person. I think my message is oftentimes clear as be you. Period. So it's helped me hone that in. But also, I think when you're someone who is goofy online, people might forget that you also have a brain. Mm-hmm. And so she just she, she got a master's, y'all. You know, I got a whole master's with research and everything. <laughs> and I, I want to get my PhD in the next few wow. years. And so I actually probably hopefully next year my plan laptop. Um, I'm applying for programs actually right now to hopefully get admission into some universities and I'm excited about. But people would never know that, right? right? Because but if you go through my blog and you go through my work, you see, oh, I said someone just tweeted the other day, like, oh my God, Sophie's blog is incredible. And I'm like, people don't really read it, but I write a lot, so I enjoy writing too. And I think it's 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 interesting because I think the world sees people that way. It's just you you can't help it. You oftentimes want to know how this person fits into the equation, right? Mm-hmm. And if they don't fit, you're worried. Like they're it's a circle, but like you're trying to fit this box in there. And so I think that's why again I'm the oddity, right? I, yeah. I don't you know, oftentimes don't know what to expect. So I'm just I like to surprise people and I think it's funny when you're like, Oh, you're speaking about this, oh, why have this intelligent thing to add to that conversation? They're like, oh, you knew that? I'm like, yeah, I should do that. <laughs> and then you just move on from there. I think it's, it's cool. I want to end or end our conversation with one last question for okay. you. Because um, everything you've, say, you've been saying today, it's really, it's really been thought-provoking. I really appreciate your candor, too. Just yeah. like learning behind the scenes of what it means to be a content creator, what it means to be a human a black person specifically um, mm. today. So my last question for you is, what does it mean to be a black person for you right now? That could be this month, it could be today, time right. is whatever you want it to be. Mm, that's, a, that's a 
huge question, right? Because <laughs> in many ways, I didn't know I was black till I moved to America, right? Because I'm Interesting. in Nigeria. I've only been in America for six, five years. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so it's interesting, but I think mm, I would say to be dynamic. That's mm-hmm. the I want to use that word because I want to explain what that means. Because uh, I, I love I want to say share this because I'm I'm in this I'm in this box right now where I went viral a lot on Nigerian Twitter, and mm. so I have a lot of Nigerian followers. Like I'm here in America, right? And so. I'm so I'm, I'm learning as I and I speak in Yoruba a lot like I'm oftentimes like I just break into Yoruba when I'm excited and Yoruba is my native language for anyone listening and I've been getting feedback from brands and from management that maybe I need to start speaking a lot more English maybe I oh. need to start you know you know catering to a lot more a broader audience so I can attract a lot more different people I'm like oh I didn't, I didn't know I could, you know, I could do that because they're like, so you're speaking to black women, but you can't talk to black women if they don't understand you. And I I had to pose a question then, who are black women? Are they just African-Americans? Are you talking about Jamaicans? Are you talking about Caribbean people? Mm. Are you talking about Africans? Like, who am I supposed to be talking to that I'm not relating by speaking the way I'm speaking? And I think that's something I'm also struggling with. So that's why I say dynamic because it's nuanced with, with however you're doing, but you're constantly having to change and without being uh, change in terms of uh, adapting to the things that life is throwing at you, right? One day you're walking on the street and then a police officer stops you and you're scared for your life. The other day you meet another black woman on the street and she's excited about your haircut. The other time you're talking to this and you're like, oh, you're dark skin or no, you're light skin. There's so many ways and there's dynamism behind being black, especially when you bring, you know, either you're African or African-American or Caribbean into the picture. There's, it's a dynamic word and it's a dynamic way of being that I think is exciting it's thrilling it's nerve-wracking uh it's 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 amazing for lack of a better word but it's also it's also something I'm learning mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm learning because I don't I, de- I never claimed to be black right because I didn't know I just thought I was Nigerian and so now I'm learning what it is to be black and I don't I've learned that there's actually not one thing it's just it's, I think it's it's an interesting word that I'm still learning about for sure I think that's, that's the only way to put it so I'm, I'm still I think I'm still yeah. sticking that bubble of learning who I am and how I fit into the equation of blackness and we can talk all day about Beyonce's black is king I'm going to Beyonce I'm going to just destroy that conversation be like girl what you think about this and it's like girl where do I start from <laughs> but yeah it's, it's dynamic I think that's that's where I'm going to leave it at yeah I do appreciate you bringing up the diasporic um, perspective of being Black, because one thing I want to do in my research, um, even though I'm focused on Black content creators in the United States, I have, I do bear in mind that it's not just African-American type of Black, right? It's also Black from the Caribbean, Black from Africa, Black from anywhere in the world, there are Black people. I realize uh, a lot of the amazing Black women I follow Black content creators specifically are Nigerian, either they're Nigerian immigrants or they're African immigrants in some way from a different country, or they may be African Americans from different countries. And I remember, like, they, I never thought of them as Nigerian content creators. I just thought mm-hmm. of them as Black YouTubers, right? I think of Patricia Bright, I think of Jayla Corian, you know, Ashley, yeah. and like you so many, Missy Lynn, and I think of, you know, like Jackie and all these amazing people doing the sports sociology. And uh, in many ways, I just, I never thought of them as, you know, different type of black. I just thought we were all black, right? But when you break it down, there are certain I'm realizing that there's certain there's certain ways that 
you you they see them as black women because of maybe the way they talk, the way they act, versus folks who, you know, might insert an Dima Ume is a great example. She's an amazing Nigerian YouTuber. Right? Yes, yeah, I follow speaks, her. <laughs> she's incredible and her content is amazing, but she caters to a Nigerian audience. Because she's in Nigeria. She's in Nigeria, but like and that's something I'm also struggling with now. It's like I cater to a Nigerian audience because I, I'm very I I have an American accent sometimes and I put it on because it's just easier to talk in this country this way see that's a performance though see that's well that's the thing though like this that's how I've had to learn to talk in America period since I came here right but I also wanted to assimilate into the culture so I was like okay you know what I'm gonna do this but then when I post content everybody knows I'm just I speak like now I'm like okay let me just I speak into I break into your robot I'm talking because I'm more comfortable that way you know what I mean I think I think it takes it take, it's, it's interesting because it, it takes a lot to sort of learn where you fit in if you want to fit in at all. And I think I'm right now, honestly, and I think it's the first time I'm actually saying that, I'm actually just, I'm existing now. I'm going to see what, where the world sort of pushes mm. me to be and I'm just going to post content to post content and I'm just hoping the right audience comes to me regardless of what they are or where they are from, you know? That was my interview with Sophie, also known as The Oddity. You may be wondering why we didn't address the current NSARS protests in our conversation, given the fact that Sophie and I are both Nigerian. This is because our interview was recorded months ago. It was recorded so long ago that Sophie has secured a full-time job in international development since we last spoke, which she talks more about in her latest YouTube video from October 25th, titled Life Update. That said, I will provide some background on a protest for those of you who may be unfamiliar with this current event, along with today's takeaways. Remember, for each episode, I will include citations to reference materials I mention, as well as some additional background reading for you on the Black in Real Life website. Visit www.blkirl.com to nerd out. Patient scholar Antinor Furman once said, man is programmed for social life, which he ultimately always achieves by making his own history. I believe that language is one tool that people use to construct their own histories. So I would like to focus my takeaways today on Sophie's use of language as a content creator, which she talked candidly about at the end of our conversation. In his book, Decolonizing the Mind, The Politics of Language in African Literature, Kenyan scholar Ngugi Rathiongo describes all languages as both a means of communication and a carrier of culture. To Ngugi, living languages grow like living things. Take English, for example. There are many ways to speak English. Sophie's language use represents what linguistic anthropologist Christine Jordan calls enlanguagement, which she defines as the process by which sociocultural groups create for themselves the language that becomes the medium of their new cultural life. The way Sophie talks is the medium of her cultural life as a Nigerian woman who lives and works in the United States. One of the three aspects of language as culture outlined by Nagugi 
is that language as culture is an image-forming agent upon which our whole conception of ourselves as a people, individually and collectively, is based. Sophie's use of language reflects the multiple cultures that she represents, which I believe is important to recognize in the context of her work as a Black digital content creator. Because as linguistic anthropologist Crystal Smalls writes in her article, Languages of Liberation, Digital Discourse of Emphatic Blackness. When examining examples of stigmatized Black languaging in digital discourse, we must consider the ways digital space is always already a white public space. Sophie's language hybridity within the influencer marketing sphere, which generally privileges quote-unquote standard English speakers, is what makes her the oddity in the best way possible. The late and great Nigerian musician and activist, Fela Kuti, released an album called Zombie in 1977. The lyrics of the album's titular track, Zombie, speaks to many of the same issues that citizens of Nigeria are still struggling with today. It criticizes the Nigerian military, using the metaphor of the zombie to depict its soldiers as realless humans who follow orders without thinking and who move and act like zombies. This song, and the album as a whole, is unabashedly an anti-government proclamation which obviously infuriated the Nigerian government while enthralling the Nigerian people. In another song on the album called Mr. Follow Follow, Kuti sings in pidgin English, someday follow follow, them close them mouth, which is to say some people follow the status quo without speaking up and making their voices heard. Kuti goes on later in the chorus to advise, if you they follow follow, make you open eye, open ear, open mouth, open sense. In other words, don't be a mindless zombie. Seek to learn about the world around you and to ask questions about it. This advice is just as important now in 2020 as it was back then in 1977. As young Nigerians seek to shake up the status quo of police brutality in the country today. This leads me to the current hashtag NSARS protests. SARS is an acronym for the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, an elite police force that has done everything but serve and protect the people of Nigeria. Members of SARS have been involved in everything from citizen harassment to kidnappings for years, and this generation of young Nigerians are sick of it. As a result, they have enacted what Yinka Adegoke the Africa editor of Quartz cites as the biggest and longest running series of national protests in a generation. You may have seen the hashtags on social media, hashtag NSARS, hashtag NSARS now. Similarly to the movement for Black Lives that started in the United States, Nigeria's movement to end SARS has become more than just about police brutality. It has become a movement to shake up the status quo of Nigeria's weak governance and imagine a more positive future for citizens of a country that is predicted to become the world's third most populous nation by 2050. To learn more about the NSARS movement, visit 
www.nsars.com. You have just listened to a production of the Black in Real Life podcast hosted by Anuli Akinabu, developed by Anuli Akinabu, scripted by Anuli Akinabu, edited by Anuli Akinabu, with research support by Anuli Akinabu. The music was graciously provided by Garth, whose single Wild can be streamed on anywhere you can find music. Thank you and remember, the people you follow online are also black in real life.